0: Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy Podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at Podcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Hey there, welcome back to the Circular Economy Podcast. It's episode 57 and I'm recording this on Thursday the 8th of July 2020. This week, I've been getting agitated about a study published by the Finnish scientific journal Environmental Research Letters and shared widely in the media. The headlines claim to show that renting fashion was the worst option for the planet. It turned out the researchers were only measuring greenhouse gas emissions, so not including materials, process chemicals, water use or all the other pollution and ecosystem damage along the process and from the end of use waste. They'd also assumed that the people renting jeans would drive two kilometres in a car to collect them. The researchers began by talking about the rebound potential of circular economy business models. In other words, by making something easier or cheaper, the end result is that we use more and have a bigger footprint. So I worry that the researchers were rather too keen to prove the rebound effect of renting. I wondered why they hadn't taken a more objective view of real life scenarios. For example, why had they chosen jeans? Surely the vast majority of people buy one or two pairs of jeans, keep them for years and wear them a lot. Why wouldn't you research something that's more likely to be worn for a short time and then discarded like seasonal fashion or baby clothes? And for the transport, why wouldn't you look at what generally happens in the different circular economy systems? I feel sure that most rental and subscription services will send the garments out by post. If you want to read the study, I've put a link in the show notes. In today's episode, we hear from Helen Burdett, who leads the World Economic Forum's work on circular economy innovation, including its flagship initiative, Scale 360 Degrees. The Scale 360 Degrees program advances innovation ecosystems for environmental and economic impact with scalable, locally led innovation support delivered through public-private partnerships, all connected through a global digital community. Another initiative, Circular Trailblazers, is the subject of a new report from the World Economic Forum and impact organisation, Scale Up Nation the special study was conducted to better understand innovators within the circular economy, given the major opportunities they offer for both job creation and economic development. On top of her academic and research background at Georgetown University, Helen has 10 years of experience in strategy and operations consulting, international development and software development. Before Helen joined the World Economic Forum, she was a director at Globality, a SoftBank-funded bank scale-up bringing digital transformation and artificial intelligence to the procurement industry. We get to hear about Scale360 Degrees plus the Circular Trailblazers initiative, both of which help support acceleration and collaboration and are uncovering and sharing lessons learned. We find out what a trailblazing business is, what makes a trailblazer stand out from other impact scale-ups, and how they actively pave the way for others across sectors to take up circular solutions. Let's hear more from Helen Burdett. Helen, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast.
1: Thank you, it's great to be here.
0: And people probably have heard of the World Economic Forum with its high profile in circular economy circles, and it's seen as an important supporter of the need to go circular, kind of raising the bar over time with with, uh, businesses large and small. Maybe you could start by giving us a bit of background on the various World Economic Forum circular economy programmes and explain why, why the circular economy is seen as so important by the WEF.
1: Absolutely. The forum was an early adopter and continues to be a big supporter of the circular agenda, if you will. It fits well within our uh, platform as a public and private platform for global public goods uh, and really the mission of the forum of improving the state of the world, it, there's a lot that makes sense there. And our programs range from, as you said, raising the bar with public sector leaders from ministers and presidents and, and government leaders to CEOs, uh, C-suite executives that can drive this change in, in large businesses and small and our civil society leaders with which we engage. So kind of that raising the bar and improving and increasing the ambition. And then we also have value chain initiatives that are focused on specific materials and specific value chains across plastics and cars and batteries and electronics and more and cross-cutting initiatives where we work with circular and trade challenges and how uh, circular economy can drive the net zero transition with climate initiatives uh, and one that I'm particularly close to, which is our uh, innovation and technology and circular.
0: Oh, great. Sounds like lots lots is going on. And I think you're right, those cross-cutting initiatives are going to be more and more important. It seems only quite recent that circular economy and zero carbon, uh, you know, became tied together in in more papers Um, and I think there's there's a lot that businesses could use in terms of circular economy approaches to hit their target ambitions as well so I'm curious to know more about your role um, and some of the programs you're involved with
1: yeah, one to add to your previous comment about that tie with with climate and circular. Those are two of our most asked after topics by our partners uh, in terms of how to engage with the forum. Uh, and not only are they tied together, but I think they're them being number one and two, uh, respectively, uh, is is worth noting. This is something that is raising in uh, importance to businesses. Uh, you see it more and more that the sustainability by many, many terminologies uh, is being a mainstream agenda. And you'd asked me a little bit about kind of my role and how I fit. So I co-lead our kind of circular economy portfolio, thinking about how that ties in across the forum, as well as a program called Scale360. And Scale360 is our circular economy innovation initiative. It's a global program that's focused on driving local action. So we have partners in cities and nationwide initiatives around the world that are applying methodologies and design thinking for how to prioritize specific challenges in circular at an ecosystem level. Whether that's access to finance or policy or what's keeping circular innovations from scaling and from thriving and from really changing uh, the marketplace but thinking of it from kind of a macro lens within a specific geography and then really taking concrete action against those. So we, as, as the forum, provide kind of a global host for that where we can provide the methodologies, um, share learnings, build the community, scale the programme to, to more geographies and really showcase some of those efforts.
0: Mm. And I guess sharing the learnings is going to be critically important, isn't it, to help different regions either... Um, learn from what works or doesn't work in other regions and also start to understand some of the things that might occur for them later in their development progress. Uh, you know, if we're thinking about the some of the lower cost economies, there's talk about um, how they can leapfrog all the problems or at least some of the problems of the linear economy and go straight from where they are now um, you know, or I suppose rather than saying go from straight from from where they are now, most of them are already doing things in a more circular way. So it's how to help them accelerate development and improve well-being and business prosperity without going down the take, make, waste route um, and, uh, and avoid all those issues. So... Um, the Circular Trailblazers white paper that came out in January of this year, January 2021. Um, that's a really interesting program. Perhaps you could tell us a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I could kind of take that way back. We, When we were conducting the consultations around how to design Scale360 uh, with leaders in fourth industrial revolution technologies, leaders in the innovation space, leaders in the circular economy space to understand what's really needed here. Uh, I was connected with Menno van Dijk of Scale up Nation, which is an organization in, in the Netherlands that really focuses on how to help scale-ups. So scale-ups are kind of your next generation or your kind of a little bit more grown-up startups. They are no longer in the garage. They have they're from 3 to 10 years old. They employ between 10 to 100 was the, the Cutoffs that we use, I think you can define them in a few ways, but we're looking at really high growth companies that have ambition for even more growth and are no longer at that early stage and thinking about what makes them successful. Scaling is hard. Only 0.4% of startups uh, scale to become the large businesses that they aspire to be at that startup stage. And
0: was so, that, was that 0.4% or 4%?
1: not Not 0.4%, so it's a really small number and that's from the the startups all the way through. So we're really focusing on the ones that already graduated from that first bar uh, and are becoming real businesses uh, and are on their their journey uh, to, to having an impact on a broader market.
0: And so what kind of characteristics do they have besides being at that stage of growth?
1: So I I started to describe what a scale-up is, but the circular trailblazers report that you mentioned segments that even further. So we look at scale-ups, then we look at impact scale-ups, which is where scale-up nation is focused. So these are scale-ups that are having with kind of every unit of sale for their business, a profit and a societal impact. And then we take that a step further and look at the ones that are trailblazing. And then you kind of think maybe what is trailblazing? And so this is having an impact that's beyond the lockstep impact of each unit of their product. So they may have societal impact with each unit sold, but they can also undertake tactics to unlock the market for other businesses that can have some of that same positive impact Mm. uh, in a number of ways. And then for the white paper that you mentioned, we applied the circular lens. So this is where we kind of got together with Scale-Up Nation, where they have all of these interviews and this research on impact scale-ups. And we brought many circular economy experts to say, what makes circular trailblazers different? What makes it harder for them? What are they able to do? And how can they help us transition from the linear economy to the circular economy? Mm.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like the bar just keeps getting higher and higher, doesn't it, in terms of um, what kind of uh, of companies can actually make it into, into the uh, circular trailblazers category. And so thinking about their ability to impact the market, I guess that could be um, in a way that's uh, helps other companies become more circular by maybe creating a new material or finding a way of recycling something really difficult that then starts to, um, you know, re- reduce the barriers to entry for other companies to, to do something with that material. But I guess also those companies could be disrupting the existing marketplace in a similar way to how the way we saw um, smartphones disrupt um, films, You know, now hardly anybody's got a a camera. Nobody buys, well, professional photographers, I suppose, buy photographic film, but nobody else does. And all the kind of digital innovations that, you know, disrupted businesses massively. So um, I guess there's a potential for both of those things, isn't there, to do do things in a way that helps everybody else or do things in a way that makes it very challenging for those companies that are stuck on the business-as-usual path and haven't kind of... uh, you know worked out a circular way forward
1: yeah we think of that sometimes as the linear lock-in that it is harder to operate outside of this system that we've optimized for the past 200 years that is linear That uh, some of the tactics that we think about for trailblazers taking on uh, and and these are kind of identified as, as the top five in the report are around storytelling for impact so how to get out there and tell a story that is not only valuable for your business as an impact scale up, but also can unlock the market for others and have unlock hearts and minds to be thinking in a more circular way. Now there's setting that higher standard. So you mentioned that kind of raising the bar um, that continues to come up, sharing insights, not being so competitive that you refuse to share anything that might help others become more circular. Yes, you need to be competitive as as a for-profit business. And and we aren't saying that to be an impact scale-up or a circular trailblazer, you uh, need to put your business second. Uh, These are all tactics that should be undertaken while putting your business first. Uh, initiating that collaboration and then influencing public policy so it may be changing policies so that your business can be successful but that also enables other businesses to take on uh, similar models
0: yeah and i think policies is such a key thing now isn't it more and more we're understanding just how the linear lock-in as you as you um as you framed it is driven by subsidies and lack of Uh, more green-focused taxes. So there's, you know, big incentive for companies to um, use finite resources and not recycle what they've made and and all that kind of, uh, you know, linear behaviour. So in terms of influencing public policy, that sounds pretty hard for a scale-up organisation to do. In what kind of ways might they try and do that?
1: Some of it can really be about speaking up. Uh, because of where they play in the market, they may encounter challenges that there isn't much visibility into. Uh, You can see on, I think a previous guest of yours, the Excess Materials Exchange, they post blogs about some of the EPR schemes, the extended producer responsibility policies that could help their business to be more successful and the challenges that they face with long waste contracts. So there are some types of contracting, and I think we saw this as as renewables started to gain traction in in the old style of power contracts, uh, making it difficult for them to gain ground. We see the same thing for those that are using waste streams. Mm. And speaking up about it, so it does maybe go back to that storytelling sometimes, but the other uh, side of those tactics is creating ecosystem support. Uh, And one of the key ecosystems of work pieces that we identified is is giving scale-ups a seat at the table that we can't only have big businesses and governments and talking about policy changes and making changes that work for big businesses uh, we need to be also listening to not only our, our scale-ups and startups but also SMEs the small and mid-sized businesses
0: mm. yeah that's that's a great point and again it's one of the one of the facts that doesn't come up very often. is just the sheer number of people employed by small and, and medium businesses, and in in the food industry in particular, it's you know most most um, farms are run by um, you know single farmers or that they're small enterprises, not not big business. So it's really important, and I guess they just don't generally have much of a much of a voice, or if if there is a voice, thinking of the UK Association, you know the Chambers of Commerce and the Federation of Small Businesses um i guess things the the message gets so homogenized because there are just so many businesses in there that a circular trailblazer's voice would be lost in a in a sea of of other voices so um and i'm i'm interested to know more about the um you, you know the stories they tell you mentioned that as the first um kind of tactic for trailblazing being good at telling stories are those stories that are targeting investors or targeting customers or something else?
1: I think all of the above. Um, as, as I kind of mentioned, the, they capture the imagination uh, so that these changes can, can affect not only uh, their customers and be in relation to their products, but also maybe how customers and whether they be businesses or consumers. Think about the circular economy and the materials that they interact with on a day to day basis. Polymateria's recycle by campaign is, is a good example of this. Polymateria uh, creates some kind of safe biodegradable new plastics and they're recyclable by certain dates and they actually print recycle by dates on them. So it's important for their business uh, that people are thinking of it in this way, but it's also to think about What is the next way that your coffee cup would cup would be used or the things in your office? Or if you're a a materials trader, maybe the the materials that you're working with on a day to day basis, it doesn't have to just be um, focused on on the little things around you.
0: Mm. So really getting people to think about the entire use cycle of the of the product and the life cycle of the product. And so um, maybe you could. um, Give us a few more examples of the kind of companies that are in circular trailblazers to, to bring it to life a bit for people.
1: So I mentioned uh the excess materials exchange and polymateria, which are, are two great ones. We call out a few others in the report. I'll encourage you to read it. So I won't uh dig too many and too much into those. Um and and I'll highlight that that these are kind of special companies in that uh, in when we think about impact scale-up, scale-up nation identified only 200,000 around the world. Uh, And we think of them from Fairphone uh, in the Netherlands, where they're changing um, the way that we interact with with cell phones. Catherine just waved her Fairphone uh, at at the screen for me. So we're clearly both uh, circular consumers here. Um, But they're consumer companies and, as EME is, uh, more of a business-to-business company.
0: Yeah, my Fairphone Makes regular appearances on podcasts and webinars, most mostly on webinars. Um, and uh, it made me think, and you know, mid midway through something, and then I forgot about it. That I could do with some other props <laughs> on on my desk. Um, an orange is an example I use I use quite often. But of course, that that would have to have a a, a not not a recycle by date on it, but a you know, eat this by date. I don't want oranges <laughs> going mouldy on my on my desk. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think some of the other examples are kind of harder to have the, the, the kind of picnic on your desk, maybe, uh, or Winnow, uh, which I think um, Jimmy Butterworth may have spoken with you on on a previous yeah. podcast, where they're using AI to think about food inventory. You, you th- you're talking about your orange made me think of this, but they're really reducing food waste um, by being smarter about inventory. And this is something that's being done in many industries and not necessarily with a sustainability lens, but it can have the sustainability outcomes. Uh, And it's about businesses that are working with that type of data, also thinking circular and applying the circular lens that can be good for the bottom line as well as good for the planet.
0: Yeah, and to um, to quote um, Google, not that I'm a big fan of Google, but they did sum it up nicely by saying, waste is a data problem. Um with a lot of the new technology that's developing around machine learning, AI, um, you know, better optical recognition and sensor technology and so on, then the um, companies have got many more tools at their disposal to recognise what's going through the system and, um, you know, make sure we're dealing with it more efficiently and, and effectively. And so... Um, Can we talk a little bit more about the the scale 360 um, system? Because I think influencing this public policy is something that's going to be really critical um, over the next few years. We really need to level the playing field. Otherwise, we're just going to carry on, um, you know, digging ourselves into this this big hole where we're carrying on overusing resources and, uh, you know, we're already in a climate and biodiversity crisis and we can't afford to get any, any worse. So um, how, how can businesses perhaps you know, work with other businesses to create this innovation ecosystem around them to, you know, to help them scale up and help them identify policy problems and so on?
1: So that that goes into the initiating collaboration tactic of being willing to work with businesses, um, be they competitors or be they outside your own silo. One of the challenges that we see many of our scale 360 regional initiatives identifying is around the silos within particular industries where they're using the same materials across industries. Maybe they have some of the similar waste streams, yet they don't necessarily think to to talk to each other. Uh, And that's where uh, one of our partners, a national program in Chile, SoFOFA, an industry group there is hosting co-creation sessions where companies are signing NDAs, bringing in data and getting together to really talk about uh, how can we share and create a more circular economy through industrial symbiosis, through working across industries and across companies and being willing to come to that table. And we've had great response so far for interest in those sessions to identify these concrete opportunities, some of which they may be able to action independently, but some of which may then become opportunities that we surface for innovators. And that we, we go out and say who can help solve these uh, whether through technology or through new business models, because maybe the companies don't have that in-house. So our goal there is really surfacing these actionable opportunities. And that's one example of, of how a Scale360 regional initiative is taking a, a concrete action by hosting these co-creation sessions and then following through with the next steps on the core challenge that they identified the, the cross-industry cross and industrial symbiosis. Uh, We've seen co-creation sessions actually come up in a a few different places. Um, Brussels is hosting some similar ones. Uh, Turin brought together a network where within the Piedmont region, there's a lot of circular activity, but it isn't quite all coordinated. And so they've been working with the regional government there to tie more of those efforts together and share learnings at a local level. And these are just a few examples of our, our programs around the world that have kind of taken on, uh, defined, you know, how might we approach this challenge with these stakeholders uh, to, to reach an outcome uh, and then driven forward with that.
0: Mm. I often say that one of the biggest um, barriers to um you know, go more circular, particularly around industrial symbiosis and and finding markets for byproducts or finding recycled materials. It's just you know what's out there, and most businesses haven't got time to hunt on the internet or go onto the Circle Lab database and see if anybody's done something with um, orange peel or or you know whatever other uh, banana skins, whatever other waste they've got, and having a having a way to easily find out. What could I, you know, how could I replace this finite material with a renewable or recycled one, or how? What can I do with this problem um, that at the moment is a, is a waste problem for me? So you know, what what is there out there? What's in development? And then the next question is, well, you know, where's the nearest one to me? Who can I collaborate with? And it feels to me that that's you know the the next chunk of the puzzle that we need to solve is an easy way for businesses to find out because it's at the moment it's all really a bit happenstance isn't it or you know if you if you happen to be lucky enough to be invited to one of these um collaboration and co-creation sessions and something pops up then great but there must be an awful lot of value opportunities that are just going going unnoticed i think another
1: challenge with the circular economy is to identify even what are those materials that I should be looking for? Um, When we talk about the circular economy, we're talking about the whole economy. And that's really big. And I think sometimes it's, people don't necessarily know where to start. I don't necessarily know where to start. And in a given geography, it's, it's gonna be different. Um, for any company, it's going to be different. And so I think taking the time to, to think through, okay, I'm just going to start here and then doing it is something that with Scale360, we really encourage. Uh, and we try and create those safe spaces and those platforms. Uh, so we talked earlier about the, the policy platforms where in the UAE, there is now a National Circular Economy Council that meets quarterly, that has representatives from four different ministries and each emirate and thinks about and talks about and drives forward agendas uh, related to their circular economy policy and on these topics. So there's a space for uh, challenges that scale-ups or trailblazing companies may have uh, that they could be invited, they could speak to it, it can get surfaced there through uh, Scale360 and the the government's efforts.
0: Mm. Yeah, sounds like that's vitally important part of the puzzle as well um there's just so many things that we've that we've got to get um moving on isn't that that to to kind of uh, accelerate the change and so um helen one of the um the questions i always like to ask people is um whether you'd recommend anybody as a future guest for the program um and i'm i'm guessing that there are lots of people you're working with um who could uh, you know add some value for our listeners
1: absolutely i would recommend talking to some of these what we call impact partners so it's our scale 360 leaders around the world to hear what they're doing directly you know i can share with you anecdotes from their programs but they can really take you through what it takes to improve an ecosystem for circular innovation uh, our young global shapers so our under 30 change makers community that are driving these changes in cities uh, and our national program leads around the world, I'm sure it'd be interested to talk with you and, and share some of their stories.
0: That sounds great. And um, but it's um, I'm really chuffed that we've already um, interviewed one of the excess materials exchange, one of the, um, the trailblazers on, on the podcast. But it'd be great to talk to some of the impact partners and find out more about the program. So. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's follow up on that. So Helen, how can people find out more and get in touch with you and um, the the various World Economic Forum programs?
1: I'll kind of give three ways to do this. One is to engage with our Scale360 action group on Uplink. Uplink is an open digital platform for SDG innovation and collaboration. And we have a Scale360 group there that is open for you to join, participate in the conversation and and hear what's happening uh, in our programs. Another is on July 23rd, there's a Cities Go Circular event, which is showcasing the the first four cities to undertake the Scale360 approach uh, and deliver concrete interventions. Those are Bangkok, Brussels, Mexico City, and Turin will be highlighting and showcasing their work and launching the next cohort of cities at that event. Uh, And then finally, if, if you or your organization wants to to take this kind of action and is really ready to, to lead or support a program, uh, wherever you may be, do reach out through our Scale360 website.
0: Great. Thank you. And we'll put all those links in the show notes at circuitereconomypodcast.com so people can find out more. And I'm really looking forward to finding out more about the, uh, the program as it uh, progresses in the future and definitely inviting one or more of the impact partners onto the show to hear their stories. So, Helen, thank you very much for taking us through all those programs. It sounds like there's loads of exciting stuff happening in your team and across the World Economic Forum, and it's great to see them really pushing forward on the circular economy. Thank you very much. Thank you. When we think about the complexities of changing at a system level, market sectors, value chains, regional activities and policies that can encourage or be a barrier to circular economy practices, it feels daunting. I'm both impressed and encouraged that the World Economic Forum is working on the Circular Trailblazers programme and helping businesses by sharing those lessons learned. Through the Scale 360 Degrees programme, the World Economic Forum's also helping regions and local businesses to understand the barriers and enablers, looking for collaborative opportunities to help move things forward. The World Economic Forum provides support, such as getting clear on learnings and outcomes, and helping spread those insights more widely. It sounds like those resources will be invaluable for businesses and policymakers all around the world. And it reminds me of author Daniel Goldman's advice to Yvonne Chouinard at Patagonia. Know your impact, favour improvements and share what you learn. You can find the links to both initiatives in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. And finally, my thanks to Linda Lucina of the World Economic Forum for making this interview possible. That's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you use circular, sustainable approaches to make a better world for people, planet and your business. Get in touch via the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? or buy the new edition of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. Make sure you get the edition with the orange cover, which has a new chapter on packaging, lots of extra examples and updated research in every chapter. You can find resources and links mentioned in today's episode as well as a transcript of the conversation at rethinkglobal.info, where you can find out how we help you succeed with Circular.